What's really good, everybody? This is Nathan Auerbach, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast where we get into what's really good in the world. I just wanted to give a quick thank you to everyone who has supported the launch of this new show. I've gotten a ton of valuable feedback, criticism, and just general interest in the first week, and it really means a ton to me. I've already become obsessed with getting better at hosting, and I'll be continuing to do everything I can to improve the show each episode, and I promise to do my best to listen to what each of you have to say. I also wanted to mention that I'll be announcing a bunch of amazing guests that will be joining me on the podcast soon, so stay tuned to my social media pages and get stoked. Now, for today's episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with my friend Carolyn Lederock. Carolyn is a photographer, journalist, and the So Far Sounds Philadelphia City Leader, where she coordinates multiple shows a month in people's living rooms, churches, libraries, and other third places in the area. For those who don't know, So Far Sounds is an international concert hosting company that has put on some of the coolest shows you'd ever see. So yeah, we get all into that and walk through her story of how she got to where she is today. And we touched on our mutual religious upbringings as well and the effect that's had on both of our perspectives. It was awesome catching up with Carolyn and I hope you all enjoy our conversation. So now let's get into what's really good. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so before we jump into any of the cool stuff that you do, do you want to give like a quick bio, who you are, what you do, or what you got going on? Okay. <laughs> Deep. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm the so far city leader for Philadelphia, so that's like most of my time these days. Congrats. Uh, and that's new, you. you said? Yeah. It's about two months now, so... Awesome. Exciting. So for people who don't know, like, what is So Far Sounds and what does that all entail? Uh, so So Far Sounds started in London back in 2009. Um, and now it's kind of spread to, we're in like 408 cities now. That's so like crazy. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just the whole mentality of kind of taking music out of bar gigs and really appreciating music in like an intimate setting where people aren't talking over artists and all that so um everything's just kind of pop-up shows i guess pretty much is the way to put it it's all in different locations and different acts and everywhere <laughs> and, you, and you don't know who's playing until the night right. before right yeah is that across so the board pretty, that's like the the system right pretty much yeah <laughs> it's super cool yeah. yeah it was um i was lucky enough to play one of these things carolyn had me on one of the philly so far shows a couple of years ago and it was in somebody's backyard just the environment is super cool like she was saying like um you don't really get it especially in the city areas because the city city um like economies generally do thrive on like bars you right. know like restaurants yeah. and stuff so like that's generally where the the smaller scale venues are so to have a like a third place like that term third place so it's not home it's not work it's like a spot you can congregate listen like for the sole intent of listening to music and yeah. it's like a really cool community project very cool so you're from so for those who may not know we're in Souderton Pennsylvania right now which is a small nowhere town <laughs> about 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia so you actually grew up around here just like I did so yes. how did you wind up 
so entwined in the Philly music scene? Um, I guess going back on everything, um, I guess it kind of more so started after college. I just really got like ingrained in the Philly music. Um, I guess I didn't do too much, even though I went to high school and everything out here. I feel like I didn't do too much in the like city community for music. It wasn't until I kind of graduated and came back that um, I kind of got involved in so far and like communion and other cool like um, music stuff just like in the city. So I kind of threw myself in. Was, that, ways from, that was it from going through to shows or was it through, because I know you're a, like, w- which we didn't mention in the beginning, you're also a photographer. And you, were you mm-hmm. a photographer first before all of this? Was that sort of your... No, it's kind of like the later part. I've only been doing that really, geez, about like maybe two years now. Okay. Two and a half years, something oh, you're like that. Good. Yeah. You're good. Probably two years in. <laughs> I would never have guessed that. So was it, um, was it blogging? Was it just going to shows and networking and meeting people or what? What sort of, I guess, like if you're, if you, if I'm like painting a picture, like what were the building blocks here that got you into the position that you're in? Right. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I guess I started uh, doing show reviews firsthand and like album reviews and stuff like that. Um, when I was trying to get into the scene. Um, and also I started so far maybe, um, like six months after I graduated and moved home. So it was kind of networking that way and throwing myself into understanding a lot of like the local music yeah. by booking those shows and kind of doing all that. And then, so I guess I have like two skills of really doing like local music a lot and then kind of like international stuff. So I kind of have like two yeah. different sources, I feel like. And that was volunteering, right? Like all the original yeah. stuff was so far because like she was saying, how many cities did you say so far as then? Yeah, it's in 408 now. We were, Philly was one of the first 10 cities. And that was like back in 2011. So. so crazy. So it's yeah. it's everywhere. And obviously like like scaling it up and down, depending on how big the city is, uh, like depends on how big the the team is. And you were saying how big the demand was for that city. So you really just jumped into that sort of, this was a, a passion project, essentially. Yeah. Like you jumped in like, this is a cool thing. I want to be yeah. part of it. Yeah, right? that's pretty much it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it's just that, a good feeling to be part of. That's think, awesome. Which you kind of, if you go to any of the shows, I think you catch on to right away, which I think is why so many people just like tell their friends right away and like keep coming back. So yeah, I tell everybody about so. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those things where I, I was talking to some friends about this just uh, this past week. How especially where we grew up, man. We grew up uh, again, just to sort of paint a picture here. We grew up in the suburbs, like sort of right. like yeah. like suburban, rural area, like pretty far, like like about an hour or so outside of the city. So there's not a lot that we grew up around, and there's definitely a craving for like just stuff not just stuff to do but i guess mm-hmm. like you said community like yeah. so far has created a community of musicians and people who love music to come and see these shows and feel like they're part of something which i do think is like just across the board whether you're in the city or you're in the suburbs is something that's definitely lacking like like i guess i don't know how much we want to tie that into social media but it's right. it's sort of um it's it's where you do find it, it's often, like we, we said before, it's often in, like, the bar restaurant scene, or it's maybe in, like, churches. Right. Like, you know what I mean? There's not, <laughs> yeah. there's not really, like, a cool third place where 
like every month you know this is going on and you could make a you can plan a date or go out with your friends to something like this yeah you know yeah yeah cool um so how like with being involved in so far like how um i don't know like what are your thoughts on just like the philly diy scene in general because i mean with so far mm-hmm. like you said you started on how, two years ago you said or is it um we started in philly 2011 so so you, so you okay. and you were there in the beginning yeah so okay so you've been doing this for way longer than two years so you've been yeah. doing this like <laughs> seven years at this point yeah so which doesn't seem like that like it doesn't seem like it's been that long but yeah it's, somehow it's, it has. time flies <laughs> yeah but so from then, was it something like, uh, like a like one a month or what was it? Because now you like yeah. in two thousand eighteen, you're doing what like three or four a month? Like it's it's like a whole um, yeah, monthly it's been like schedule. A, yeah, when we started, I think we were like every other month, if that. It was pretty like sporadic, and then after a year or two, um, I think we just wanted to start doing more, and like there's demand there, so we just started doing one a month. And then it's just kind of every year it's kind of like built on top of that. So starting last year, I think we were doing like three or four. And now that we're full time, it's like doubling that since there's so many people that want to come to them, which is awesome. So we're about like eight a month now. So Eight a month? Yeah. Oh my God, that's so insane. Yeah. Like what do, you, what do you attribute to that? Like are there factors that you guys have been able to tangibly point to and say, oh, this is why like we are kind of... A, creating this demand you know i think it's just like a multitude of things since it's all over the place now i think everyone has like different friends talking about it or if the people are traveling they'll come to it which i think is pretty cool um and just different we've had a lot of different media pieces around a lot of so far things and this past year we did like a big Amnesty International show back in September for World Refugee Day. Oh, that's awesome. And we got like a lot of like bigger name acts, which I think like gave us a little bit more attention to. Um, like Ed Sheeran did one in DC. And yes, like, I saw that. Yeah. He was on like the front page of the sofa website. I was like, how did yeah. they get Ed Sheeran? <laughs> yeah. Because you don't really get higher than that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about as high as you yep. get. <laughs> but yeah. And then we got like Ez Brown's a Spalding here for Philly and. Just, yeah, all over the place. There were just different people playing. So it was a really cool day. But aside from that, it was, I guess, just been just a huge word of mouth thing. So you would attribute, like, the promotional side of it mostly to just organic. Like, this is just a cool thing that has grown naturally. Like, there weren't... I'm trying to think from like, like I work in social media marketing, so I'm trying to like piece together yeah. in my head. What are some tools? Like, what are, yeah. what are some things that could have attributed to this? Because, I mean, the brand itself the it stand what does so far stand for is it songs from a room yeah so mm-hmm. songs from a room and the branding is already just dope and the idea is dope and there wasn't really was was there something before so far with the same idea or was it kind of built from the ground up grassroots i guess in a way like obviously it kind of started as like house concerts which is nothing new yeah but um i guess it's just somehow grown since we've kind of taken it out of houses in some sense and gone into commercial spaces not like leaving houses behind or anything but um (laughs) no house gets left behind (laughs) um yeah i don't know it's just it's been an interesting ride yeah yeah it's just that model and like the way the model works it's um is it still set up where 
you it, it, you you have the option to donate. So you so kind of like walk people through like what the process is if they wanted to, to sign up and get involved in something yeah. like this. Um, so it's kind of different for each city now too. Um, where it used to be donation based, we've kind of like moved into ticketing, so mm-hmm. we can be able to pay artists more. Um, and not every city is set up like that since it's different. Since we're international, some cities treat ticketing stuff a lot different. So yeah, they're still yeah. like either donation based or something like that. But um, yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Cool. So like, let's like, let's kind of jump over to your more, I don't know, like entrepreneurial photography, blogging, writing, coordinating. So like I was kind of, we kind of touched up on this like a little bit ago, but what, so you're, in my opinion, you're sort of the model of what a lot of people, a lot of younger people especially, strive to be. Like when you're young, like especially in high school, college, you're trying to figure out who you are, what you like, what you want to do. You sort of go through a phase of, you know, maybe it's maybe it is photography or maybe it's music, maybe it's fine arts, whatever it is. And you you try to you try to piece together what are the ways that I can do this either one for a living or Mm -hmm. just do this for the rest of my life. And I think a lot of kids, they get stuck in that sort of transitionary period where they're being pushed by their schools and their parents and their communities to fall into a job like fall in line basically mm-hmm. like you have to pay off your student loans you have to pay your rent whatever it is so get a real job and then there's that's being pushed up against their sort of passion for what they want to do yeah. so i mean you're the you're a great example of someone who like i was saying you grew up in a small town area you sort of went out of your way to go into the city and find some of these opportunities like what are um like what was your mindset I guess like in high school and then going into college and kind of how you took these first steps into doing what you do now? Yeah, <laughs> the big picture. Yeah, big picture. I know it's a super long yeah. run on question. I'm really great yeah. at this. <laughs> that was nice. It was a nice introduction. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess obviously like in high school you don't really know what you want to do. I think. Um, I always enjoyed music a lot in high school, and I don't think I fully knew that's what I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really plan very well for, like, going to college as far as, like, picking a major. Yeah. Well, where did you go to college? Like was it local? Penn State. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't that yeah. far. Um, but, yeah, I, like, thought I wanted to go to film school, and then I changed my mind and um, <laughs> almost went to Arizona. Then I didn't do that. <laughs> This sounds like uh, every young adult yeah, <laughs> just exactly, like constantly yeah. juggling that, and, you're, and you're so sure of all these things. Yeah. And you're just like, yes, I definitely want to do this. I'm definitely going to move across the country yeah. like six months later. No way. <laughs> but also, obviously, going to a Mennonite high school, I just kind of like shot down the idea of going to a Christian college, too, because I knew that right. wasn't a big picture. Let's, let's, let's quick uh, yeah. put a magnifying glass yeah. on that for a second, because for those who don't know, so the area that we grew up in has very strong, um, like, Germanic culture roots. Like, like the mm-hmm. whole Pennsylvania Dutch, like, I guess yeah. the, the stereotype is the Amish. Yeah. Sort of like, like, that's, like, from a pop culture. Yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I used to joke that, like, Mennonites were sort of failed Amish people. Like they, kind of they're, 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 like, the, the, the less um, absolute 
fundamentalist version. Like Amish people are out in the middle of nowhere on the farms, like <laughs> no electricity, no cars. Like at least the more extreme ones are. Not all yeah. of them live like that. But Mennonites are sort of a, like a notch down from that where it's still like trying to maintain this old heritage and it's uh it's like it's i'm trying to think of some of the values that surround like mennonite culture it's uh generally they're they're very centered around peace yeah like they're like they're passive very, yeah they're pa- yeah they're pacifist very um peace oriented um big community like they they really band together mm-hmm. almost yeah. cult-like so, yeah <laughs> so Which you is why i never fit in right and me neither yeah. so we actually sh- I, I don't think we've ever even talked about this so yeah. we share this have, experience yeah. actually we both went to this high school, which is called Christopher Dock <laughs> Mennonite High School, which it's since changed the name to something. Yeah. I don't know what it I is. I think it's... It's Dock know, something. Christian it, Academy or something. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to be an yeah. academy, but it's actually just a high yeah. school. So, But <laughs> anyway, so we actually share this experience. Just sorry, just to interrupt and lay some groundwork for yeah. people who don't know what a Mennonite is. That's essentially what <laughs> yeah. it is. It's like a branch of Christianity that is more traditional, not quite Amish, but also <laughs> not quite contemporary. So yeah. go ahead. <laughs> and I think the... Um, basis of the guidance counselors at our high school was basically to recruit as many high schoolers to the Christian colleges as possible, yep. whether they got something out of it or not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Was there like uh, an incentive? Because they all would I'm go good. to like yeah. uh, like Messiah, <laughs> yeah. Eastern, uh, Go is Goshen, Goshen yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like three or four stables. Because <laughs> um, I remember going in and like telling her like my um, like college meeting. I was like, I think I want to go to Arizona State and like study film. She's like, No, you're gonna you're gonna get homesick and you're gonna, she, she you're said gonna hate that? it. Yeah, she's what? Like, she's like marking your. She's like jotting notes on a piece she's of paper. Like, <laughs> people go away that far, they get homesick and come back. I'm oh like, Oh my god. Okay, thanks. I guess yeah. I guess the the men and I, the more men and I, uh, oriented people, that probably would be the case because yeah. they're ra- <laughs> like they're like like I was saying, they're raised so like close knit, right. which isn't like that. I don't want this to come off like we're bashing Mennonites. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's fun. It's fun to bash any group. But <laughs> but just even um, like just that alone, that's not a bad thing. Like the family mm-hmm. community. I really like the older I get, we're just kind of tying into what you do so far anyway. Mm-hmm. I really value those like those uh, hometown family community right. values. Like it's cool. It's cool to have that. Yeah. But it's it's also kind of weird when it's yeah. completely um forced into a group environment like that where there's an in, yeah. a clear in and an out which is yeah. kind of what you're talking about like you're right. on the outside of this and she, this guy at the counselor is used to talking to people in the end like oh no like all our Mennonite students right they don't want to leave the state like they want to be right here with their families yeah. <laughs> it's nuts yeah. Um, but yeah I guess coming I'm trying to think of where I left off now um, but I guess yeah I kind of decided to go to Penn State after all, and I ended up studying advertising, but kind of regretted in a way, not studying music business, but Mm -hmm. then I've, like, talked to different people who, like, have studied it and feel like it doesn't really help that much. Yeah, I mean, studying advertising, it kind of works right into what you do. I mean, everything is advertising. I I often say to the musicians that I know in the Philly area, it seems like— Everybody's always missing, I mean, I shouldn't say everybody, people are mostly missing that component when it comes to their promotion. Because you you meet some musicians who are amazing, like some Mm -hmm. of the best 
songwriters, guitar players, whatever you would know, but you would never even know about them. And they sort of just expect people to hear about them because they're so good. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, you have to advertise. Like there's, <laughs> yeah, there's... they're just terrible at the business side, but really good at everything yeah. else. Yeah, because yeah, it, it really isn't taught. And it's not, not even just that it's not taught, but it doesn't really come natural in general, I think, to artistic types. Like right. more like creative, free-flowing whatever you want to call that, like the, the, the hippy-dippy people who are out there <laughs> yeah. trying to make music. It's right. it's not a, a natural way of being to kind of be strict buttoned down. How do I make money? How do I push my product? Like that's right. not typically implied. Yeah. So sorry to keep cutting you off. No. So you were, were going to go to school for advertising. Yeah. Um, so I ended up doing that. But I guess I found kind of my niche in like music there by doing, um, we had like, weekly concerts like a noontime concert series every friday oh cool um so i kind of threw myself into doing like clubs that would have the aspect of music and like trying to get into it that way as opposed to actually like studying it yeah um hands-on yeah which is really cool there's a lot of experience in doing like shows in like the large and smaller scale because we host like the like bigger homecoming concerts and all that too. So you got that college it's budget, a, yeah. right? Yeah, to yeah. work with. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess kind of rolling off that, I like did an internship in college booking. Um, cool. And then kind of like did that for about, I think two years. Um, so I was doing that a bit after I graduated as well. Um, and then that whole scene's just become like so different too. And just like overrun by big agencies that are kind of college like, bookings. Yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, um, the smaller agency that I was working for, like we just kind of just to go separate ways because it was just becoming like too much of a hassle. Like we loved everyone we worked with, but we got like so frustrated because the big agencies kind of like bent the rules at a lot of like the conferences and all that. And, really? Like what were yeah. some examples of that? Um, so technically, so there's two big like college conferences that are like regionals there's APCA and NACA um because they do and they do comedy too right, right? yeah right. okay and I know magic and like all that yeah, so any kind of like entertainment aspect of college would have like mm -hmm. they'd kind of showcase um but I think I don't know if the rules have changed since I've stopped doing it but it was pretty much every artist could like um submit for like whatever region they wanted to perform in. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a national one as well. And I think every agency got like a certain number of artists that were allowed to showcase per their agency. And so bigger name ones kind of like bent the rules and would make a, like change their name slightly to be like technically a second agency under the same name. Are you so serious? Could, yeah. What? Yeah. And apparently that's allowed. <laughs> was this allowed? Like, so, so is this the college boards being negligent, sort of bending to the agencies? Or was it who was like the overhead person that was allowing this to happen? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I guess it's just like <laughs> the conferences, whoever ran the conferences, oh, like okay. didn't see it as an issue, I guess. Yeah, okay. Um, so they'd kind of like either submit like different genres in one company or like different like comedians all through like one company and like all that when it's supposed to be like all of your people combined yeah so it's just kind of got harder for a lot of little people obviously like most times but um right. yeah that's crazy did, so. did you watch the show crashing 
no. all with Pete Holmes. It's a newer show. It just finished its second season on HBO, and it sort of details the story. It's sort of, in a way, it's it's almost uh, autobiographical because Pete Holmes produces it, and he's mm-hmm. the main character. So it's sort of about his life, kind of how he got into comedy, and it starts him, like, at the bottom, like, before he had any kind of break, and it okay. kind of walks him through, like, the the rough and tumble of trying to become a comedian. Mm-hmm. And in this past second season, they had, uh, it was either one or two, I think it was just one episode on that. I think, what, was, what, what was the two? Naka uh, and Epka. Right, right, right. Okay. Them. Yeah, it, kind of, it, was, it was really interesting because I had I'll never. Have to watch that. You should. <laughs> it's, about that, yeah. it's pretty funny. And I'd never, yeah. like I've never played colleges. or The ones I have played were mm-hmm. put on by smaller, either individuals or agencies, probably similar to what you worked for, mm-hmm. like not, like a massive like corporation like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really interesting because I'd never seen that side of things to see um, like that episode in the storyline. Pete sort of, uh, he, he sees what the artists who are successful are doing, like the sort of quote unquote sellouts, mm-hmm. like the ones who are giving the, uh, oops, giving, <laughs> giving the uh, companies what they, what they want and or the, mm-hmm. what the audience, what they want in that situation. And, he kind of does that to get a shoe in. And then the girl that he's with at the time, who's also a comedian, she is more authentic to her craft and just does her act like as a pure, like this is her actual act. And then she doesn't get any business from it because it's not <laughs> what they want, basically. Yeah. So it was really interesting kind of to watch that, that system, which it does, it caters to this uh, really kind of, uh, what do you want to call it? Like black and white, um, I want to say boring. I'm not saying people that are work. If anyone's listening, who like works for these companies, uh, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not saying you suck, but it's sort. Yeah, you're right. It sort of like pushes uh, a lot of artists at the bottom to the margins right. and like caters to a specific yeah. style. Yeah, because it definitely got overrun too. Once it's like more so the Voice than American Idol, because a lot of those artists that like got somewhere would dive into the college market right after mm-hmm. like the Voice was over, and then obviously like people from colleges would be like, oh, they're from The Voice. Like, that's cool. Let's book them. Right. <laughs> and it's like, right. it got a lot more difficult in that sense, too, because different people try to, like, snatch up those artists. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, then I guess <laughs> it kind of, it just caters to the systems of who's paying who, because then right. obviously you know, it's just like, it's just like pop radio. It's like, you yeah. know, <laughs> this certain style makes money. It's what the kids want. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you, you kind of weed out. It's funny how there's certain styles, even within folk, how, like, prior to maybe, like, Mumford and Sons, mm-hmm. like, folk would have been not even considered in these venues. Right, and yeah. then it sort of, like, blew up. And then it was, like, the Lumineers. And all of, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden, it's, like, mainstream to do, like, pop, folk, whatever you want to call it, right. music. But, yeah, it's, like, prior to that, you're following the sort of, like, breadcrumb trail of, like, mm-hmm. industry people. <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an interesting world <laughs> yeah yeah it's su- super interesting yeah. cool so yeah so you wanna you went all through that and then you came out did you graduate did you finish out at penn state or? i did yeah cool and then you moved did you just move back to hometown yeah i just came home pretty much um i didn't really have a plan i guess <laughs> yeah i just kind of like went for the agency that i've was like doing stuff with and then um I just really kind of latched on to the Philly music scene because I liked a lot of the music that was here. Um, and I, like, hate New York. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the other weird thing about, like, doing music stuff. It's, like, business-wise, you either have to be, like, New York, Nashville, or L.A. Yeah. And there's nothing in between. Exactly. <laughs> which kind of sucks when you're, like, 
I don't know if I want to go as far as L.A. I like it, but and then I hate New York and like Nashville's all right. But like, I don't like country music. So. Yeah. And that is what people look for down <laughs> yeah. there. It's weird when people think um, like, where would you go for music? You would <laughs> never say Philly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, there, but Philly has such a thriving music community. Yeah. Any any time I talk to somebody from out of the state about this, they're just like, oh, really? Like, yeah, they're, I feel they're, like they're they don't realize how many it. people are actually from here. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is that? Is that just, is that an industry thing? You think it just comes down to the fact that the big corporate industries are in those cities? Yeah, I haven't been able to figure it out. <laughs> it's been, yeah. Because I feel like Philly's just been growing to so many like cool artists that come out of here, or either artists that like move here. Yeah, yeah, um, it's cheaper yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and like you're such in like a cool hub that you're so close to DC and like Boston and New York, and you can like easily go anywhere. So yeah, it's like within just a few hours. Yeah, yeah. But yeah almost... There's no business side here. Right. That's well. Yeah. That's the, that's kind of what I was get, gonna get at. Is it seems like when people. Just quote-unquote chase the music dream like when you when you have the idea in your head i'm gonna move somewhere produce music try to make a living out of it <laughs> you think those nashville la new york cities because one you know the big record labels are there and yeah. then two you know the big stars are there and then three you know there's the most amount of venues and traffic and just kind of like hot publicity covering those areas mm-hmm. so naturally they're the most expensive well nashville's not like you can you can actually mm-hmm. live pretty you can afford to live yeah. outside of the area of nashville pretty well actually but like they're they're the most like hot in demand places to go and it almost seems like philly the past several years honestly maybe even longer than that because i'm we're young i don't, like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. how long this has been going on but it's it's been an emerging diy community and now that diy community is sort of taking on i don't want to call it mainstream but like Mm -hmm. like an almost like a life of its own like with this whole so far project like Mm -hmm. that's it's crazy to think that it was it's one of the fat like is it one of the fastest growing cities you think like now you said it started with one show a month now you said it's eight shows a month yeah like are there any other cities doing that many shows a month um i guess as far as like just the full-time stuff um boston kind of restarted the same time we did so they're doing about the same amount too and i think they were about like one or two a month if that it's like pretty sporadic but crazy yeah (laughs) yeah it's so nuts yeah is there um i'm trying to think of how we can kind of tie a little bit more into the philly diy scene because it's something that not a lot of people know about like when you when you look at the artists that like your favorite artists in philly that Mm. don't have maybe a huge spotlight on them like what what about the philly scene would be appealing like if you if you Mm. were an artist from the outside looking in you you were you were pointing like oh there's this band this band like this venue this venue here like what are some of the maybe the places or the attractions or the the reasons anyone would come to philly or stay in philly like what makes Mm. it unique yeah I think personally, I feel like I tell people this a lot when they ask me what the music scene's like here. And one of the first things I always come to is kind of just, again, tying back to the community aspect of just the sense that, like, I feel like Philly musicians are so supportive of each other. Part of that is I feel like so many people play in each other's bands, but yeah, yeah, um, which is cool in that sense, but also. Like everyone, you see a lot of people out at each other's shows and they'll be supportive and stuff, which you won't really find so much like in New York or stuff like that, where everyone's kind of competing against each other. Um, And maybe that's obviously because we're like a smaller city, but 
I feel like there's less people trying to like climb over each other than. Yeah, it is. We are smaller, yeah. but there is definitely that sort of um, overlying tension when you do move to a city like New York. Cause I've, I've never moved there, but I have played mm-hmm. shows there and there is just that natural like dog eat dog. Like yeah. this is like you're competing. There's there could be three, four, five shows on the same block right. at any given <laughs> night. So you yeah. are compete like it's very close knit and you're trying to pull like like whereas with Philly. Maybe I don't I don't know how much of the geography plays into this, but with Philly, you might have like that same amount of shows kind of spread out over mm-hmm. a couple blocks in Fishtown or Northern Liberties area, and people show hop. Like friends, like mm-hmm. will go to one show and then you kind right. of migrate to another show later that night. Whereas, yeah, in, in New York, it's almost when you see someone on the sidewalk, you, you want to drag them. You want to be like, "Come to my <laughs> show!" Like there's yeah. that people are handing out flowers in the corner because everybody's <laughs> fighting for yeah. the attention. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah i definitely see that too with with philly it's it's weird because i mean mm-hmm. I, I see all levels of it because i'm not mm-hmm. i've never i guess pursued music on a high enough level to get too deep in the game but i've pursued it at enough of a level where i see the i have a lot of friends sort of at the whatever you want to call it the upper <laughs> echelons like the, the, yeah. the more some of the more successful people in philly <laughs> yeah. but then i'm also like really close with a lot of the people toward the bottom that are just kind of figuring out whether it's mm-hmm. in philly or in the philly suburbs and it's it's definitely relative because i know i've talked to a lot of people but it's hard to, it's hard to say i've talked to a lot of people who um they they maybe they don't feel they see the philly com- philly music community and they feel like they're stuck outside of it in a way because mm-hmm. it does tend to kind of get clicky right. you know like yeah. which i guess is sort of inevitable inevitable wherever you go yeah but so there is depending on i think where you land like maybe what suburb you're in or what part of philly you're in or what kind of music you're in like it does kind of the scales sort of shift there a little bit like when you when you think about the the philly music scene at large are there certain styles of music that are sort of innately thriving here and ones that you think aren't and like for what reasons mm-hmm. do you can you think of any um i feel like there's like definitely that girl punk scene oh, huge. that's like yeah. definitely coming out of here a lot yeah yeah um which obviously is like another thing we kind of didn't touch on is just like the whole diy basement rock scene so yeah. um yeah but i feel like that's like a huge one right now but there's also just generally, I feel like there's so many different genres between like, you look like war on drugs or like Kurt Vile mm-hmm. aspect. And then you have like the districts or like, I don't know, there's just so many like different things. And I feel like you, that's the interesting thing about Philly too, is you can't really pinpoint like an exact like genre that's coming out of it. Yeah. It sort of all falls in that like just broad, like rough umbrella of indie rock but then there are these sort of – like, within that, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, when you say something's indie rock, yeah. it's such a broad base. Of Alternative. Like, yeah. <laughs> it just covers, like, yeah. every genre. I, yeah, I think the, the – the, yeah, the girl the girl lead is, is huge in Philly. Like, yeah. I feel like venues are, have done a really good job the past few years sort of, like, finding – targeting, like, which – like which women and honestly, like just like I'd say LGBTQ like plus <laughs> yeah, groups in definitely. general, like mm-hmm. Philly's done. I don't know how, how much of that is the DIY aspect of it, but mm-hmm. the bookers in this area have done a good job cultivating like that sort of niche out 
of the yeah, the definitely. punk DIY scene. Like, yeah. do you see that? Yeah, there's definitely that surge of kind of like safe space, like LGBTQ supportive shows and all that, which is like a really cool thing. Um, so that's like nailed down, I think, with the house shows, but also like some venues, like everybody hits or like things yeah. like that. So there's definitely kind of that cool. I don't want to call it like a niche market, but I guess it kind of is. <laughs> It's yeah. But, it's like oh, it's yeah. like a, it's a specific. It's not yeah. like if you were to look at the broader. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, like music family, like across <laughs> cities. Like it's definitely it's not a a, a uh, often talked about group. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it's 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 talked about in the sort of like niche progressive markets in like certain cities, but right. it's not like a, if you talk like mainstream, it's <laughs> it doesn't really come up that often. Yeah, and I feel like from the outside looking in too, it's interesting to. Consider that because if you aren't, if you're not involved in the music community, it might seem, I mean, I mean, even just talking like political polarization, like mm-hmm. people, like you just said safe space, like people get kind of like, oh, like, why do you need a safe space? Like, why, yeah. <laughs> like, why do certain groups have to, like, why are you even like saying like certain groups have to have a, um, like a genre or a hold mm-hmm. on a scene? And I think it's, it is important to note just because the, in, in any city, I mean, for one, tribalism is real down to every level. <laughs> yeah. Like you have like you have black groups, you have white groups, you have jazz groups, you have rock groups, you have indie groups, you have folk groups, like everybody, whatever your group is, like you have like the, the LGBTQ plus community is a scene in mm-hmm. of itself. Like when you look at the um, Philadelphia uh, DIY group on Facebook, like there are literally people who solely go there to scope out those <laughs> bands. So yeah. it is cool. Like on, on some level it's these like this is all grassroots so at the grassroots level um we do split into like groups based on our identity to some degree Mm -hmm. but i think philly generally does a pretty good job of blending those groups like it doesn't i don't think i don't know maybe there maybe there are like some niche genre like groups in philly that i'm not aware of but it (laughs) seems like they kind of they do blend like you, you see a lot of jazz um, a more like uh, like rock groups, they blend with indie, which blends with folk. Like if you go to any show on any given night in Philly, you might see four genres right. of music, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> I kind of want to swing back a little bit just to talk <laughs> if, if you're down to go deep just for just for a little bit. <laughs> we don't we don't have to we don't have to uh, linger here too long, but I yeah. do I I personally think it's interesting just to consider where you and I grew up, mm-hmm. like the sort of suburb, like you, you talked a little bit about um, like the Mennonite background mm-hmm. and like going to Christopher Dock was a Mennonite school and then kind of coming out of that and kind of just moving forward with your life, getting out of that community. I'm curious to know, are there any, like looking back at your upbringing, like for one, were you raised that way? Were you raised Mennonite? I was not, no. So you were, like, <laughs> yeah. what, were, were your parents, um, like, were they, was it strict religious? Was it not religious at all? Was it, like, moderate or? It was a little bit. Like, we were kind of family that mostly went, like, on holidays kind of thing. Right, right, right. Um, and then, obviously, I just kind of, like, I also went to, like, a Christian middle school and elementary school. So it was kind of, like ingrained in my life i guess for so long too why, why was that was that just like your family like, was it your parents preference or um that's a good question <laughs> i don't really know i'm just um, curious because usually yeah. it's the case when parents they when yeah. they have their kid go to those schools they're pretty <laughs> they usually feel pretty strong yeah you know what i mean 
I guess it's partially because um, since my dad grew up around this area too, um, he went to dock. Um, and I remember kind of being given that choice when moving from like middle school to high school. I was like, do you want to go here? Or do you want to go to public school? And yeah. I was like, well, all my friends are like um, going here. So yeah, I'm just going to go like, along. Like for, again, yeah. for those who, like from the outside looking, for those who don't know, um, the school was it was it um <laughs> yeah. what was the school called the penview pen penview Pen, Pen yeah. so so the um the school that carolyn's been talking about the high school christopher dock that she went to there's another school called penview which is basically like christopher dock jr yeah so like that's for what is it like grades three to eight yeah it's like everything yeah. before high school basically mm-hmm. yeah. so like all the kids who went to penview you Actually, just go like right to kindergarten dock. yeah kin- so it's a whole thing kindergarten. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. it's all like and it's small too like just mm-hmm. to scale it up i mean i went to a christopher dock for two years and then i went to a public school souderton and so i think i don't know the exact number i think my class in souderton was maybe 500 when i graduated mm-hmm. whereas with doc it's like you might have 100 people yeah, when you graduate around 100 yeah so it's the same like 100 people from kindergarten <laughs> through high school pretty much <laughs> And I seem to always make friends with the new people, <laughs> like the like the more the more outcasts that yeah. didn't fit in. Yeah, and I think I realized that pretty much my group was like mostly non Mennonite kids. That's so interesting. And you were yeah. part of it. You said from kindergarten. Yeah. So you were in this group. It wasn't like you were because for me, I was an outsider. I didn't yeah. go when I went to school. I went to public school until ninth grade, and then my I was sort of a uh, troubled and like rebellious. <laughs> and my, Did they and think my, that was gonna help? <laughs> My my mom also went to Christopher Dock when she was younger, and I, I honestly I don't want to like I don't know how much I don't know the exact thought process that mm-hmm. was going through my parents' minds at the time because I was a mess. Like I was just a really I'm already I'm difficult to deal with now. I was so <laughs> difficult to deal with as a teenager. So I'm sure like their intentions were pure. They were just trying to help me out and do mm-hmm. what they thought I needed at the time. So <laughs> yeah. they were like, well, you're going to Christopher Dock. And I was like, no. Like I went I went in <laughs> kicking and screaming because I had grown up in public school with all the friends that I had. Yeah. And when I landed in Christopher Dock for my uh, freshman year, I didn't know anybody. I knew mm-hmm. like there was one, I think there was one girl from Souderton who was in my mm-hmm. class who also went. I think she, it was the same situation. I think she was being forced. <laughs> she was actually like a popular girl. Yeah. And I was like, kind of like, why is she here? <laughs> like she, she has a lot of friends. Like I had, I had a lot, I had friends, but I was by no stretch popular. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I joked with my parents because the first, um, to like eighth grade while I was in Souderton, the first like three quarters of that year, I got bullied so bad because <laughs> I started wearing tight pants and like band <laughs> shirts. So it was, it was just, it was a mess. It was sort of that transition period where, um, store like skate stores are coming popular again, like zoomies <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So toward the end of the year, enough other kids were wearing that style that it was I was no longer a target to get bullied <laughs> so I was so stoked so really you were the trendsetter yeah. and they should be more appreciative no, the, <laughs> I don't think I was a trendsetter but at his stretch I was, just wearing, I was hanging out like I was wearing that sort of rebellious clothing or whatever but it was by the end of that year I was so excited to go back because I was thinking oh I had Gone through the ringer, like I have made friends. I'm not getting bullied as much. And then my parents were, "You're going to a new school." So <laughs> no. the cycle of bullying and just feeling like an outcast uh. started all over because I didn't know anyone at Doc. And mm-hmm. like we were saying, like it's only like a hundred person classes. Yeah. They all had gone you know to school together. Really well. yeah. Yep, they all knew each other since kindergarten or whatever. So anyway, total sidetrack. I'll get back <laughs> no, back to what you were saying. So you you knew all these people since kindergarten. You didn't 
you fit in with the uh, the sort of new people. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I kind of found myself constantly, like, being friends with the newer people, and I don't really know what to attribute to that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, like, felt bad for them You're or just, just weird. thought they were more interesting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's a good intuition. Or, or I'm weird, which is also accurate. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, a combination of everything because yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's definitely. I mean, looking looking at you now, it sort of makes sense. Like, look mm-hmm. at what you do. You're not exactly doing a traditional job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like think it. think about where <laughs> yeah. they all all yeah. are. Like, where are the people you graduated with? Most of them are probably working in accounting <laughs> or advertising yeah. or at a church, yeah, <laughs> or, or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Super cool. So okay, so like all throughout that um, process of kind of going through school and everything. So from and you said your parents were sort of moderate in the sense that they didn't really like it wasn't a serious they didn't have like a serious uh, faith attribution that was pushed <laughs> onto you necessarily yeah so like growing up did you did you feel um, I don't know how to how to frame this like did you feel in like you you were embedded in a faith community so mm-hmm. how like how did that affect you did it affect you mm-hmm. at a heart level was it more just kind of like i'm on the outside of this looking in like what were your yeah. like thoughts growing up with that yeah it's an interesting point <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i guess i never really like got too ingrained in religion mm-hmm. um it was just kind of always there and i think part of it of the sense of I don't want to call it being, like, shoved down my throat, but I kind of was in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, like, forced to go to chapel, and you're forced, like, even all the classes at our high school were, like, so ingrained yeah. in, like, the religious aspect, which I found, like, frustrating, I think. It'd be, like, the a history class, and it. you're, yeah. like, learning about, exactly. like, the Bible or something, and you're like, wait, what? And I remember, like, one of my friends ended up going to American, and I think there was, like, this whole era that we like, never went over in yeah. high school that like the average person would go over in high school and like I don't know yeah it was just all the classes in retrospect like weren't really traditional I think to like modern times like I think I remember having like an accounting class and it somehow related I think the handbook we actually got for the class was called the Mennonites Guide to like accounting. Oh my God. <laughs> Which because a couple of my so friends different. and I ended up burning at the end of the no year. No way. Um, but, yeah, just like that's an example, I think, of just like the weird dynamic of like all those classes. Yeah. And like when you're in it, it's such a it's such a weird in-group, out-group thing. Yeah. Because if you're if you didn't grow up within the sort of church system that those schools are built on, you really don't. Unless you personally have like a curiosity that is like in this religious uh, spectrum that that's peaking on its own, you don't really have a window in. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you're when you're a kid, you have other stuff going on. Like you're trying to date people, and you're trying to just finish your homework and go play with your friends. And yeah. you're not really like if if religion either religion is a strong part of that or it's mm-hmm. not. There's not really many kids like you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. either it's either forced on you in a way where it becomes ingrained in part of your literal, like your your neurology, because mm-hmm. like that that yeah. that's how it was for me. I mean, I don't want to again to to put it like it was forced on me. It's a it's a weird contextual way to look at it because it was in a sense because mm-hmm. my parents they were like really strong like Christian believers in that way. So I grew up pretty you know evangelical like sort of fundamentalist in certain regards you know like i guess you would consider it fundamentalist just not super super strict like they 
it's all it's all relative because mm-hmm. based on like my parents sort of belief structure at the time they were considered more progressive i guess in mm-hmm. their belief than like the generation before like they were they had actually left a church when i was really young because it was kind of stuck in the old way so like we were it wasn't like a stagnant thing like it mm-hmm. was moving and like we were learning and changing with the times and with um just like with as like the the spirit led you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was like there was like that aspect of it where it was like what does god like want us to do now right. so I, I grew up deep in that and it was ingrained in my neurology like like i have those grooves in my head you know like <laughs> yeah. from like little kids so like it's always even even going through the teen years and you kind of go through rebellious phases and then you know when i was like a young adult i kind of hit the the atheism wall and like mm-hmm. was like i don't know what i believe like mm-hmm. am i agnostic am i an atheist but even kind of going through that and like coming through young adulthood and to where i am now like it's still because of how strong that um that part of my upbringing was like mm-hmm. it's such a deep part it's just psychologically so right. ingrained in who i am so I'm, yeah. I'm just i was just interested to know like what i guess what your take on it is like how mm-hmm. like is there, are there any pieces of that like for growing up that you held on to that you think are valuable or is it more just you know i'm gonna throw this to the wind <laughs> and never look back yeah i feel like i'm kind of in the same boat i was being kind of like in a weird limbo of like not knowing what to believe because mm-hmm. <laughs> i it's exactly that, that, like, you grow up so long, like, believing one thing. And then, like, the more you grow up kind of outside of that culture, it's like you kind of realize how much of that might not be as accurate as, yeah. like, yeah, you've yeah. been told your entire life, you know. Um, so I, don't, I feel like I have, like, a bit of a struggle in the religion aspect of that. I wouldn't call myself, like, atheist, but I wouldn't call myself a Christian either. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm in between like there's there's something obviously in power but there's something going on (laughs) there's something something beneath everything going (laughs) on we just don't know what it is yeah it's weird how the like the term i get into the semantics of this with my friends Mm -hmm. a lot because the terminology is weird how atheist nowadays sort of has a negative connotation Mm -hmm. to it because it sort of indicates like no you absolutely (laughs) believe there is no god right but like by definition it just means you don't believe there's a god so that could mean anything like that could mean you're more agnostic like Mm -hmm. you're just not sure it just means you don't have belief basically so but it's weird as a label it's weird because like when you think my atheist friends you all for whatever like i guess because of mainstream atheism like you just go right to like militant atheism like there is no god there's no devil worshiping (laughs) there's satanists like there is nothing like this is the end and yeah i think i don't know because it's to me it's weird like if you think faith the opposite of faith because faith is belief so it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're, you don't know for a fact you're just believing that there's something so that's what christians or or catholics or whatever um sect of like this of western uh, religion in general would say like it's all about belief like what do you believe so Mm -hmm. the opposite of that isn't there's nothing the opposite of that is just non-belief which I guess technically is atheism, but mm-hmm. I guess we classify it more yeah. as agnosticism, right? Because it's just <laughs> yeah, like I not being exactly. sure. Yeah. So that's kind of like where you're at now. You're just not sure what's going on. Yeah. Do, do, <laughs> I think it's accurate. Yeah. Do you, um, so like were there, I guess I'm trying to like kind of tie this back to just what you do with so far, because it is interesting to me how you did grow up all through that sort of Mennonite loop 
of, mm-hmm. you know, the, that tight-knit community, and they had these rituals. Like, you, you mentioned chapel. Like, for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> chapel was, like, a a Wednesday. Every Wednesday at Christopher Dock, you would go down to the chapel um, building, and <laughs> they would do yeah. – it was, like, they'd sing hymns, kind of, right? Yeah, I think it was, what, like, an hour, right? Yeah, it and was we'd long. have to – it was partly announcements, but also – just what felt like an extra church service during it did the feel week. Like church. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we had to sing songs that I didn't know because I didn't go to <laughs> church because they either. have like they're weird. <laughs> I guess another thing we didn't explain there's obviously the hymnal book, which most churches I think have, right? And yeah. then Mennonites seem to have a whole other book of like other songs that are kind of like. I wouldn't call it their version of pop music, but it kind of is that, I guess, because they <laughs> sing them every week. But if you don't go to Mennonite Church, you don't know. You them. have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. That was me, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I said, I grew up in that evangelical community, but we I didn't grow up singing hymns. Yeah. So, like, in the chapel, when you go, you're surrounded, like, in all the pews, you're surrounded by all these kids singing hymns, and they all know the words. They all know the melodies, and you're just kind of like, okay, like, I'm going to pretend I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah that's but, pretty much what I did, because I think it we got yelled at if we didn't sing. Did you really? At least whoever my advisor was Nuh-uh. for it, she got like angry at us. What? And, so oh, I, I didn't like, get yelled at. <laughs> I never sung. I don't think I tried to a few times, but because it's like yeah, like I, I said, didn't really I, sing either because <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I, I I was rebellious at the time, like I said, so I wasn't really in that space. Mm-hmm. But but looking back, it is kind of like weirdly poetic for you because in that space, which I think is one of the the cool parts, which I think could use reclaiming in the Mennonite tradition, is that that communal singing, everybody's doing cool harmonies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very, it's a cool feeling singing together. Yeah. You know, like, anytime, like, I know that, like, that's a big thing. It's that the uh, people would so far inspire with the artists that play. It's like, you want to get audience participation because mm-hmm. it almost sometimes does feel like a church service. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. You want to kind of get into that? Some like, kind of, like, religious aspect to it, I guess, in that yeah. sense. Yeah. You feel something. <laughs> yeah, you're sort of like, it's it's sort of a craving that we all have. Like, whatever that is. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's, I don't know if it's because of our religious history as cultures, but it's, it mm-hmm. is interesting how when you get a group of people together, especially around music, it really yeah. does seem like there's something about music that is just deeply ingrained in the psyche where... Mm-hmm. It's when people start singing together, you just get goosebumps, yeah, you know, which I think sure. in, in religious circles, they would attribute that to God. They yeah. would say like when you feel <laughs> goosebumps, I mean, you have that sort of spiritual like, ooh, like something's happening here. Like that's God intervening <laughs> in, on that behalf. But yeah. like in, it, you do get a, a similar feeling in those <laughs> shows when like a room, especially when you've done some so far as like in church halls <laughs> and like big rooms and stuff where it's echoey and yeah. you get this really cool, almost like a choir feel yeah right do you feel like has anyone ever talked to you about that or like like have you talked to any of your friends about sort of i don't know like are there do you see a correlation there or anything i don't think i've actually had that discussion really with anyone (laughs) it's just kind of i guess something you feel in the moment but don't really talk about and then you're just like oh that was really cool like you'll say it later but don't really get into the deep aspect of it i guess yeah yeah because it's like a high yeah, for I've sure. talked. I've talked yeah. to friends like we have. We have a bunch of mutual friends. Like I've talked to. Um, I'm trying to think. Like even after some shows, I've played with like Kyle Shiva and some people. Like we mm-hmm. t- we talk after the show. How you have the after show high. Yeah, it's like that <laughs> feeling, and it's 
And, you know, there's part of it's the ego. Like, if you're a performer, especially, there's part of it that's ego. And you get that sort of, it's like a bottle being filled up because the <laughs> yeah. people are clapping for you and you have the sort of performance, whatever, piece <laughs> to it. But I, I really think a huge part of that is just the communal feel because a lot of us, I mean, I definitely feel this. And I'm, I don't know if you feel it, but I know a lot of other people I talk to feel it where... We all sort of live these isolated lives, you know, especially <laughs> yeah. with social media where we're not really forced out of our houses that often. Like we can kind of go to work, um, go home, practice whatever our craft is, hang out, watch TV, go on Twitter, whatever we're mm -hmm. doing. And then once in a while we go to something like a so far show and you see your friends and there's something it's like a, just like it's like a yearning for connection. Like we get this like rejuvenated feel. Like I think it really it like lifts people out. Like you know, you, you almost for me at least I feel like when I've gone to some shows like that, I when I go I almost don't realize how depressed I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm like I feel so good. Like I was <laughs> sad before. Like I yeah. almost didn't realize I was sad because now I I can feel like I I was lifted out of a moment mm -hmm. almost. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I feel like that's the cool aspect, too. Like, one of the things I enjoy it, too, of with our shows, we have different genres um, for every show. So it's not going to be, like, the same three acts for everything. And I think a lot of people take that um, in a different way of either finding, like, a genre that they didn't think they'd like or being able to, like, grasp on the lyrics better than they would just listening to it or just, like... I don't know, just being at a venue and like hearing yeah, that it, up but... close experience. Yeah, because these are shows like you're you're just it's yeah. If <laughs> if you if you if you said to me right now, hey, I, there's this band like I want you to check it out. Here's a YouTube link. It's uh, I, I don't know, like some crazy experimental like jazz <laughs> indie rock, whatever. I kind of I, I don't know, like I might listen to it, I might like it, but <laughs> when you're actually there up close, it really. It, introdu it introduces you to something new that mm -hmm. I think it kind of pierces whatever whatever walls yeah. you tend to keep up, which is like what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I'm super old school in this way. Like my like iTunes library, what I what I tend to listen to is stuff from like 2004, <laughs> like 2006. <laughs> like I, I I have a hard time finding a lot of new music that I really can connect with. Mm -hmm. So when I see something live, it's just an instant you know, I get it, you know, right. whereas if I see, if someone sends me a YouTube video, it's sometimes a little bit more difficult to kind of break out of this, the comfortable styles that I'm used to listening to, mm -hmm. to get into it, you know? Yeah, definitely makes sense. Yeah, I guess there's like a one video that's kind of like skyrocketed too from our channel that's just kind of like sticking out of my mind from like this conversation. But as an artist, it was one of the New York so far as her name's like Yeba. Um, Y-E-B-B-A Cool And like I think That's like one video That we all talk about All the time Because I think she had like Debuted this song And it was just like Super emotional performance And like you just want to like Cry watching it Yeah oh, I gotta check it <laughs> and out now. There's so many Off of that too Like I think that's the only Release of that song You can't find it online You can only find it On like our So Far channel With that And there's you know, there's, like, reaction videos on, like, YouTube. So there's, like, a ton of those. Yeah. No way, <laughs> really? that video. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. And that's awesome. I think that's just, like, a really cool aspect of it, too. But um, I think that's really cool, too, when someone... I th feel like so far gives that other channel where people can test out things easier. Um, 
And that's like a perfect example of that, of just like a song that like might have been hitting that artist like at a different time too. Yeah. So yeah, it's like an instant yeah. feedback loop. Yeah. It's 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 so yeah. hard nowadays. <laughs> like if you have a new song and you want to put it on social media, like your Facebook, and just hey, <laughs> new song. What do you guys think? It is so hard to get. <laughs> let alone just get feedback at all. Yeah. And then let alone like authentic, real. You know what I mean? Right. It's all. It's all moving so fast. It's so just overpopulated on social. Like you just don't, I don't know. It, it mm-hmm. feels like the more time goes on, the harder it is, especially with the algorithm changes. Like yeah. It's so hard to right. c- c- actually feel connected. Yeah, exactly. Way, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I definitely, I definitely think that there's some, some level on a societal level and an individual level, uh, like where people are just craving connection a lot. Yeah. These days. And I definitely think like I, I work in social media, so I sort of <laughs> yeah. perpetuate this problem maybe on some <laughs> level. But I, do, I definitely feel like there's a disconnect where more and more it seems people, they crave these in-person, real, authentic experiences that places like so far create that there really just aren't many consistent spots or companies that are doing it. These mm-hmm. days, you know, like you mentioned house shows, like, yeah, it's cool. And people put on a house show and their friends come out and it's it's fun. But that's not really a consistent medium. Usually, yeah. like I, I tried booking house shows out of uh, my ex-girlfriend's house uh, for a couple of years and did them like once a month, once every couple of months. And it was fun. It was mm-hmm. really fun. And like we had a lot of cool um, engagements and, and hangouts from that. But it's so hard to keep a system like that in place and running and functional and it's to see when you see a a, a um a business right is so far a business or a nonprofit? um we're in between right now we're not a nonprofit, so we're okay so it is trying to kind of build. at this point yeah cool cool yeah. yeah but when you see a place like that you know like doing creating these environments for people to connect in it's so cool because anyone can go <laughs> like if you're yeah. i mean unless you live in the middle of nowhere not even relatively <laughs> close to a populated city like then yeah that sucks yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other yeah. thing but as long as you're like an hour two hours mm-hmm. away from a city it's not hard at all to plan and like get involved and actually you know experience these up close intimate settings for mm-hmm. yourself so super yeah. cool yeah was there anything um like i don't know like i don't want to i don't want to close this out without <laughs> asking you just again because i kind of <laughs> i kind of wanted to kind of going through your story and just like who you are and like what what brought you to this point? Are there any like standout tips or events that happened in your life that you can point to or just just wor- nuggets in general that you could, uh, I guess, put out there to people like you that are younger yeah. that kind of like <laughs> want to, to figure out who they are and like do that? Is there anything that stands mm-hmm. out there? Um, I think it's just constantly being on your toes. Um, I try and not say no to a lot of things yeah they um, take opportunities yeah. as they come especially um with my sense of not really studying music business i tried to really teach myself a lot of it but also um i forgot where i was going at this point <laughs> um but basically just trying to um like learn <laughs> as much 
as you can learn where you can. I, I think a huge yeah. point from from that too. It's um like a lot of a lot of people I talk to. This is an unfortunate point because of time and everybody everybody's broke. Nobody has yeah. money, <laughs> and I think a big wall that people have up is they they whatever they put time into, they feel like they need to be making money right mm-hmm. away. Yeah, and I think that's a huge wall because for a lot of this stuff, I mean, for me me as well, like I worked for years mm-hmm. in different social media platforms, different promotional platforms, booking, playing, before I made anything. Like, right. I lost money. Yeah. It takes it. a while. Yeah. It takes a long time. Yeah, yeah you just have to, like you're saying, you just got to yeah. take opportunities as they, they yeah. come in because that's how you build experience and get hands-on. Yeah, it can be frustrating, but usually you can find a way around it. <laughs> yeah, if you're really yeah. good at something, yeah. it's, it's like, oh, I just want to make money. <laughs> like, why isn't anybody paying me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the struggle. The struggle yeah. is real. It is real. Yeah. Cool, Carol. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. Uh, you're the best. It's, fun. it's been forever. <laughs> I, I haven't know. seen yeah. you in, I think I said two years. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's been two years since I've seen you. <laughs> I can't, yeah, it doesn't seem that long, maybe, maybe, maybe I caught you at a show at one point. Maybe. maybe. We'll go with that. So it like, doesn't maybe. seem as bad. It's, but, it's, but it's still, we didn't, we didn't get yeah. into any deep conversations. So, all right, before yeah. we head out, is there anything you wanted to plug where people can find you? Anything you want to put out there? Um, I guess just generally, if you want to come to any so far shows, just go to the website sofarsounds.com. Follow all the channels, all that jazz. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. All right, everybody. Peace. Bye. <laughs>